0: Welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is
1: Saskatchewan's
0: number one sports talk show, The Sports Cage,
1: on 620 CKRM. Hour three for the Sports Cage on this Wednesday edition for ConnexusArtCenter.ca. Coming up in this part of the program, we will do our Where Are They Now segment for Floor Coverings International. Marcus Chunky Adams, one of my favorite personalities from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who's been... On his coaching odyssey, that's crisscrossed all over North America. He was doing some stuff here in Regina. Uh, Then he was in Arizona, then South Dakota. Now he's back home in Indiana, right where he's from. And it'll be a lot of fun to see what Chunky's up to here in 2024. But before we do that... We will go to our next guest on the Western Pizza Hotline. Adam Seaborn is a sports media analyst and the head of partnerships at Playmaker Capital and seems to be emerging as one of Canada's leading experts on how sports media works and how it gets monetized. Adam, welcome to the program.
0: Hey, good to be with you.
1: When did all of this start for you? I feel like I heard you on that podcast that uh, Jonah, I don't even remember his last name, uh, believe in the press row. And it seems like since there, I'm seeing your name pop up everywhere in articles in The Athletic and everywhere else.
0: Uh, yeah, it's been a few years. I mean, uh, in my in my day job, when I'm not moonlighting on Twitter as a sports media expert, uh, I've worked in, in the media business, both at ad agencies, at broadcast networks, and investment companies. So, um, you know, in my day job, I've been doing a little bit in kind of the sports media space. But, uh, you know, getting into the weeds on it on Twitter was, was a passion of mine. And to be honest, there wasn't a lot of people in the Canadian market who were focused on what happens in Canada. There's a real cottage industry in the U.S., as we know, focused on the media business. But in Canada, it goes a little bit under 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 uh, reported on so it's been fun to chat with uh, people like yourself about it
1: good stuff so the first one i'll jump out into and the biggest one that i want to talk to you about <clears throat> we often hear about the eye-popping ratings that the super bowl gets not just in the united states but in canada as well and a lot of big sporting events world series um i don't know if the stanley cup's been in decline but a lot of big events ratings and even primetime programming in the united states has been in decline uh when johnny carson did the tonight show and he left his average viewership was around 15 million by the time jay leno was done with it it was five million and some people said well leno wasn't as good as carson but the general consensus among the experts was no it's just a different world with cable television coming in and now it's even more um uh, what was I going to say? Not saturated, but more splintered because of the Internet. So we look at the uh, Grey Cup ratings compared to the Super Bowl ratings in Canada. And I think the average number for the Super Bowl is right around 10 million for this last game that just happened. And for the Grey Cup, it's at three and a half million. That's a bit of an apples to oranges comparison when you consider the fact the Super Bowl is on more platforms, isn't it?
0: Yeah, a lot to unpack there. I mean, first of all, you're absolutely right to suggest that fragmentation in television has created a decline in in TV ratings for the most part, right? Uh, You mentioned Johnny Carson. Uh, We're talking about a world where there are three broadcast channels. And, you know, really no other competition in that space. So, you know, things like, you know, Johnny Carson or even look at like, you know, MASH, uh, which, you know, routinely was having tens of millions of people watch the um, last season of Seinfeld, you know, famously tens of millions of people in the U.S. Here in Canada, even as recently as, you know, five, 10 years ago, a primetime CTV show could easily drive a few million average eyeballs. Um, fragmentation in the media space and the television space is absolutely the trend, and things have been declining. The one outlier uh, for the most part is, is the NFL, as you mentioned. We hear a lot about NFL ratings being up, um, both in the U.S. and in Canada. Uh, this last Super Bowl averaged 10 million viewers across the country. And when we say average, that means that if you were to plug in to any minute of the broadcast from the start of the game to the end of the game, there's an average of 10 million. So what they do is they measure the audience every single minute of the game and then average that number. That's why sometimes you'll hear, oh, there's a peak audience of 12 or 15 million. Uh, but the average audience is generally what people care about and what the you know, TV industry uh, looks at. Um, comparing to the CFL, comparing to, and we'll dive in maybe a little bit more about what's going on with the CFL it's a bit of an apples and oranges, uh, uh, apples and oranges comparison for a few reasons. One, the CFL and the great cup hasn't been on broadcast for a number of, it's been on a cable channel, right? On, on CTV, uh, not since I think 2010 or CBC, uh, it's been behind the paywall with TSN for a while now and in, in Quebec on, on RDS. So that's, you know, right off the hop, immediately decreases the number of households that you're in and the number of people who can actually see your game. The ratings will shrink as a result. No game on just cable is ever going to compete with a game that's both on cable and broadcast. Um, so that's why you see only, you know, three and a half million viewers, which was actually a tick up for the most recent break Cup compared to uh, the year before. Uh, compared to, you know, 2010, let's say, there was about six million viewers. So uh, a substantial decline, but not necessarily reflective of the sport declining in popularity. Um, in terms of, you know, comparing the NFL and the CFL, one of the things with the NFL is that um, you're taking advantage of the U.S. signal as well, right? So when that Super Bowl game is on on, on CBS, as a Canadian, if you turn into to the CBS broadcast, um, you'll be what's called simultaneously substituted or SIM subbed, which people may remember was in the news a few years ago because the CRTC and Bell Media went to court over it. But all that means is that the game is on more channels, right? So I, I flip on the Great uh, the Great Cup; it's, it's on you know either TSN or RDS. I flip on the Super Bowl; it's on CTV, it's on TSN, it's also on CBS, and any one of those feeds is going to count together for an aggregate number. So, absolutely, apples and oranges comparison between the two. Um, but honestly, apples and oranges between the NFL and any other league. It is a league among its own. It is, you know, it is broadcast television in the United States.
1: I don't think too many of our listeners or myself are naive enough to think that if you had the Grey Cup on the same platforms that you have the Super Bowl, that it would draw as well. Uh, The National Football League is the giant among us. It is probably the fastest growing viewership medium in Canada, uh, maybe along with soccer. But is there any way to project what that three and a half million number would look like if you had the Grey Cup on all of the platforms? Or is that just impossible to know?
0: I mean, you'd be guessing, but I think the best thing you could do is go look back at when it was last. And I think you'd be looking at, you know, probably another million or two million additional viewers. Again, there's like, you know, depending on what markets are involved, you know, if you have an Eastern team like the Alouette the Argos involved, obviously bigger populations in Montreal and the greater Toronto area than if you have smaller market teams. But, yeah, hard to hard to predict exactly what it would be. Um, you know, there's there's also – there's a bit of a fallacy when we talk about ratings about the big number. Uh, people just think about $10 million for the Super Bowl, $3.5 for the Great Cup. What what matters as much as the big number is the subset of who the audience is inside of that big number. And that's where the, the CFL has had its challenges over the last decade plus. Um, you know, this is being talked about ad nauseum among sports fans, and I hear from CFL fans on Twitter all the time they've lost that younger generation of fans, that kind of under 35 crowd in a lot of major markets in Vancouver, and Toronto, Montreal, because of the NFL's popularity, because of fantasy football, because of games like Madden, just because of the growth of that sport and maybe the decline of the CFL, they've lost that younger viewership base. And on TV, you can see the, the ratings, a lot more of the audience for the CFL is in the 55 plus category, than compared to the NFL, or actually compared to the NHL, or actually most things on TV. It's one of the older audiences on television. Uh, What that means is that there's less advertising revenue associated with it, because advertisers are looking for generally... Uh, adults between the ages of 25 to 54. That is the sweet spot for advertising. About 70% of all ad dollars in Canada transact against adults 25 to 54. So when the majority of your audience for your sport is in the 55 plus category, a TV network looks at the ability to sell ads against it and, and they see that it's not as valuable.
1: Makes sense, and that's been an issue with the Canadian Football League for a long time. Trying to get a younger demographic, Uh, media expert Adam Seaborn is our guest on the Western Pizza Hotline. Perfect pizza with a generous amount of toppings, plus Greek food like souvlaki, ribs, salads—all the goodness you can't make at home. Call Western Pizza today. So, provided the CFL is able to reverse that trend, and I know Three Down Nation had uh, some stories about how the the younger demographic is starting to improve again after you years of decline Um, there's been a lot of chatter around the Rogers contract the 12-year deal that was done I think it was in I want to say 2014 when they spent 5.2 billion dollars and it doesn't look like it's worked out very well as far as we've seen a lot of cuts Uh, they've pared the broadcast down given the challenges that Rogers has faced with maybe overpaying for hockey would it be crazy to suggest that maybe they would have some interest in the Canadian Football League in 2026 to get better bang for their buck.
0: Um, I mean, they might. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's a uh, you know a, a, a very likely outcome. Um, you know, the current deal with, with TSN I think is a very good deal for the CFL. I hear CFL fans say that they think that they should be getting more for their broadcast rights. I would say a little bit be careful what you wish for. If you were to go to the open market with no broadcast partner right now, at the CFL as the league. I I do think you would have a challenge getting a big TV contract. Um, You know, the the feast and famine in pro sports, you know, extends all the way to the broadcasters. And we've seen that happen. You know, the NFL is setting records for their broadcast negotiation rights. You know, the NHL actually did a really good job renegotiating their U.S. contract. Their U.S. contract about doubled recently with the Turner and ESPN deal, um, but that was done two years ago. You know, the um, you know college football playoffs, they renegotiated their rights. The NBA are about to renegotiate their rights, and they're going to see a lot of money. But... MLS, for example, was having a hard time getting broadcasters interested in buying the MLS package. There was a lot of hype around, oh, MLS is going with this global streaming partner in Apple. And if that's working out, you know, still to be determined, it's kind of year two of a 10 year plan there. But they went with Apple, yes, because it's innovative and Apple offered them, you know, uh, an opportunity to extend globally and all these things. But they also went with Apple because they weren't getting big offers from the broadcasters in the U.S. Fox Sports, ESPN, CBS, NBC. They weren't lining up for MLS rights. Um, you know, in this country, I'm not sure if there would necessarily be a giant appetite for CFL rights. What does it drive? It drives a lot of um, content during the summer, which is, you know, traditionally, if you're if you're Sportsnet, that's. Blue Jays time, you are all in on Blue Jays. Do you really need all those hours of content? Where are you gonna put those hours of content when you're in Blue Jays mode? So that's a question right there. Um and then, you know, beyond that, it doesn't drive an enormous amount of eyeballs and you've got to do all the production work. It's not like picking up a US feed or a feed from another sport. You gotta build every single production across stadiums, across the country. Um, it's a heavy lift for a broadcaster.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm glad that you brought that up. So often we just see the number that they pay for the contract. We don't factor in. I've, I've read some estimates, and sorry, I don't expect anybody to put a lot of credibility behind these, but that it costs Bell Media close to half a million dollars to produce one Football, like CFL broadcast. So there's that cost before they even start talking about the rights. Um, do you think the ad companies would see any attractiveness whatsoever in the CFL expanding to places like Halifax, Quebec City, or even, dare I say, London, Ontario, places that they are not really touching right now?
0: Um, I think there might be interest from some corporate sponsorship. Um, so there's kind of two buckets of, of revenue there. There's a the corporate sponsorship, which is really going to go directly to the team. Um, that's going to be, you know, suites and you know name and image and things on, you know, logo patches and things like that. There might be some interest, especially in Atlantic Canada, where there is no, you know, pro sport competitor. We know how big junior hockey is out there, but I do think that there's an opportunity in Atlantic Canada for sure. Um, I think another team in Ontario would have a hard time because you're essentially in the same well as, so many other pro sports that are eating up those ad dollars. In terms of the, the the ad agencies, as you mentioned, focusing on those markets, I mean, at the end of the day, they are um, creatures of, ha- of, of of number. What they want is they want a big audience, and they want to reach, you know, the right audience. The right audience for them is adults 25 to 54 with purchasing power, which tends to skew a little bit more urban than rural. So um, I'm not sure if there would necessarily be a giant appetite, but hard to say. Expanding the league adding more teams, adding more ad inventory, adding more game inventory may be an interesting way to help the league grow.
1: Fascinating stuff, Adam. I could talk about this with you all day long. It uh, was a big part of the reason for the demise of the Montreal Expos. It's a big key to the sustainability of the Canadian Football League going forward. Uh, I hope to have you on again one day soon. Thanks for doing this.
0: Yeah, great to chat with you. Take care.
1: That is Adam Seaborn of, uh, well, he's a Canadian media expert and uh, some interesting stuff there about the comparison with other sports and the ratings and maybe TSN's not such a bad broadcast partner as some of the fans like to say. We'll take a break and be back with more. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of the Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM.